0: Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join us this week as we begin a series in the book of Joshua. Father, you know how excited I am about the book of Joshua, not just to learn the history, but to uh, to see the message messages inside of it for us. Lord, that each one of us today will take away different things, gone, but I pray that we would be open to receive the things that you want us to receive, as well as the things that that we want to receive, God. And I know that we all have a bent and a leaning, and sometimes we only take away the things that we're going through, but you might want us to have something else. So help us to be open and hear what you're saying to us through the Word. Um, Pray your anointing and your blessing upon this series as we begin today in the book of Joshua. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, it might have been an interesting way to pray, but I was uh, sometimes preaching of the word and it's almost like a meal, maybe a, different things on the plate. You've got your, you know, meatloaf and, and some mashed potatoes and you get your veggies and things and you as, as maybe you have four or five things on your plate. Don't know if you've ever done this as a kid. I know you did and maybe you still do. You kind of go, ooh, well, I don't really like that much. I'm just going to take a tiny bit of that, but I really want to eat this. You know, and our kids are really good with that. It, when, at Thanksgiving, I used to eat pretty much uh, the the cranberry sauce because it was sweet, and the fruit salad, and and that would be about it. You know, and then as I you know, grew, I started eating more potatoes, and that's not a whole meal. So we want to, as we come to the Lord, um, as come to the Word, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to just say, "Oh, I, I I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this." We want to get a full nourishment. So we want to be open to what God wants to speak to us through maybe the broccoli. I mean, God might even want to speak to us through the Brussels sprouts. And I have a hard time believing that anything of value is in a Brussels sprout. Um, because, you know, oh, I mean, if God wanted us to be healthy, wouldn't he have made food taste better that was good for you? I don't know. Wrap it in bacon. That's right. Wrap it in bacon. Um, and so, so as we go, Lord, you know, what is... What is it that you have for us? We want to have a balanced meal. Now, Joshua, as we get into the book of Joshua, and, and you're going to be wanting, hopefully, you bring your Bible, and, and maybe we can also, this. we won't do it this week because I don't want to stress Marissa out in the back, but we can put some scriptures up occasionally. But um, it's, it's good to have, have your Bible, um, be able to find the thing, find different chapters. We're going to be in a few different places this morning because Joshua continues the account of the children of Israel. Coming out of Egypt, out of the book of Deuteronomy, Pastor Jeff shared about that a couple weeks ago, and um, they were in slavery for the 400 years, they got taken out of the land of Egypt, they walked in the wilderness for 40 years, and then um, Joshua is the beginning of them going into the promised land. But before we go too far in that, we actually, we're going to go back a little bit and and talk about some some details so whether we understand some of these things might be review and some of them hopefully will be a little bit deeper than maybe you've you've heard before uh, to in order to understand this we're going to um, go back we need there's a fundamental understanding of what led up to joshua leading the israelites into the land of canaan to conquer that we need to get it's not so that they could just have a land that they wanted you know, we go, Joshua, it's the promised land, and God's just going to give them a great land, and that's, that's it. There's more to it than that. It wasn't even that they would just have their own land for themselves. It, wasn't, it was actually that they would have their own land for God's glory, to, to that God would fulfill his promises. Joshua is a book that is difficult for sometimes for Christians, and I would include myself in this in the past, because it's full of violence, Joshua's the book where we see God killing everyone. You know, I mean, it's, it's true. It's true. God's wiping out people. The, 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 the children of Israel are going in and, and utterly destroying their enemies. And this is where, you know, we, we, we always say, oh, yeah, the Muslims, they're full of violence. And, you know, and the Christian Bible is full of violence also. So jo- the book of Joshua is sometimes difficult for for some Christians to read because of that they're like oh my gosh those poor people they were they were utterly destroyed how do we how do we do that so we say well that was another time that was pre Christ and now we're in Christ. And so it was all okay back then, but it's just different now. That's only partially true. There's a deeper answer that we're going to go, and we don't always understand it, but I want to at least try to scratch the surface of, of the deeper reason why the, why the people were utterly destroyed. And so, so as we, f- we see this violence, it wasn't just random or haphazard. There was actually a purpose that connects to something that we can take away today with understanding the character and nature of God. See, God's character and nature never changes. It doesn't change. But he used to kill people by the hundreds of thousands, in the Old Testament He doesn't do that. Well, his nature and his character didn't change. His methods have because of Christ. But his his nature and character still is there's a wrath and a punishment that is due for sin. And there still is just as there was. But we see in the Old Testament that there was a, a justice, a righteousness, a wrath carried out, meted out immediately at times or just after a short time because of unrighteousness or rebellion. Even when we were reading through, if you read through the, you know Exodus, even in the desert when Moses was leading out the people, he would smite them and people would die. And we, we know of Korah's rebellion and, and where the ground opens up and swallows people. This is God's wrath. This is God's judgment poured out in the in the moment. But we're living in a time as Christians that His wrath is being stored up until the end times, and we'll still see that wrath because there is a wrath of God against sin. But praise God, as much as there is a wrath of God against sin, there's forgiveness of sin. And so as Christians, we don't face the wrath of God. But there still will be a wrath of God for those who don't know Christ. You know, when Jesus came on, God didn't turn into a pacifist and say, it's all good now, I'm okay and that's what the world would like to see. You know, can't, can't there just be no punishment? Can't there be no wrath? Can't there be? And no, the truth is there will be. But see, that's where God gave us the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation, that others could know him and step out from the wrath of God that's coming into forgiveness and righteousness and holiness that we don't deserve, but we get because he is righteous. And for that, we should be utterly amazed. When we're talking about, what are you amazed about? That I'm not dead or going to die because of my sin. We deserve death and we, we're not going to get it. That is amazing and exciting. When we talk about awesome, the word awesome, those are the things that make you go, wow, ah, that is awesome. That we won't receive that. So, but the book of Joshua, the, the, right away we're seeing them go in and conquer the land which was called Canaan. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 15. In order to understand Joshua, we have to understand this little section. We're going to start in, in verse 13. We're, and we're going to talk about a few verses. Read verse 13 and i skip around a little bit. Then God, then he God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Remember, God was calling Abram out of his land. He says, I'll show you where to go. And he says, they'll be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and they will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. What are we talking about? Egypt. Okay, remember, Egypt was a a way of saving the people of Israel, but then they got trapped there for 400 years, and then they were serving a people, and they became slaves. Also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So, right, Exodus, Moses brings them out, and they come out with possessions, and they come out strong. They went in with 70 people, and 400 years later, they come out with millions plus. So they come out with great possessions. Now as for you, Abram, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And then it goes on and, and, and the sun in this, uh, can pass. When the sun went down, it was dark. The smoking oven and the burning torch goes through and, and God sets up the covenant with Abraham. And that whole is a, is a wonderful piece where God sets up the covenant and says, listen, I'm going to walk through. You're not going to walk through. I'm going to walk through because all of this covenant depends on me. But part of the covenant was, Abram, you're, I'm going to give you a land. But it's not time yet. The time for the Amorites is not yet. So it's going it's to wait a while. Your people are going to go in. They're going to be in, in Egypt for 400 years. Then they're going to come out with a great spoil. And then they're going to go back into the land of Canaan. And that's, that's where God was going to bring um, His people was back to the land of Canaan because God was, wanted to show Himself faithful and He wanted to increase His people and His people to become a blessing on the earth. So, we, so as we are poised in Joshua, the over, overview of Joshua who was one of the only two men of fighting age that didn't, get, didn't die in the wilderness. God spared he and Caleb to go in and conquer the land. Even Moses himself doesn't get to go in. Caleb's going to lead the people in. They're at the, at the, you know, the outskirts of the, of the Jordan, about to go into Canaan. And remember, 40 years before this, they were at the same spot. And they sent the spies into the land. And, and the spies said, there's giants in there. We're like grasshoppers. Yeah, everything's really good, but I don't think we're going to make it. And everyone gets scared. And and so they don't go in, and God says, "Okay, for that, you're not going in. None of your fighting men." So you get to wander around for 40 years. Getting a little ahead of myself. So let's go back to Canaan. Who's Canaan? See, everyone descended from somewhere, and they're all are descendants of Noah. When Noah came on the earth and the flood came, it was just him and his three sons that were left. Okay, so we're going back a ways to understand who, who, what Canaan is and, and, and why are they going to go and destroy these people. The three sons of, of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, Ham, Shem, and Japheth were, were the, the flood's over and they're, they're there. And Noah plants a vineyard. He drinks the wine and he gets drunk. Okay, recall the story? And Ham basically laughs at his dad. Hey, dad's drunk and he's naked. And Shem and Japheth, they, they're like, wow, what are you doing? And so they, they get the robe and they walk in backwards and they cover up their dad's nakedness. When Noah comes to his senses and he's no longer drunk, he talks to Ham and he says, this, um, he says, cursed be Canaan, son of Ham. He's pronouncing a curse on the, the, the ham and all of his descendants, because of the wicked heart that he showed, and he, and he says, um, "This is genesis chapter nine we'll just we' already in six fifteen, so go back a couple chapters in verse twenty five he says, "Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren verse twenty six Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And then Noah lived after the flood 350 years. So, so we actually see that the descendants of Ham, Ham's already getting this wicked heart, and God's pronouncing judgment on Canaan. So when we see Canaan, it's a descendant of Noah who didn't follow God. And, and, we, and we, you, when you read the, the account in the Bible, you find out that they were worshiping other gods, that they were pagan people. They weren't innocent. They were people who walked away from God under the curse. They weren't trying to serve and worship God, they were worshiping pagan deities. They were doing other things. And so, but it was waiting. And, and even in that time, could, could they have come back to the Lord? Maybe they could have. Maybe they could have come back to the Lord, but they didn't. So when Joshua right on the edge, he's going to go in and now he's going to meet out, he's going to deal out the judgment from God for living in wickedness for all those years. So there was a curse. This is, these aren't an innocent people. They're not a strange... We know these people. They came down and though they started right, they were of the line of Noah, who was the only righteous found in the land, they chose to walk away. That's the people of Canaan. And that's all the people that we see. And so it was. It was the, the the son of Ham, and that's probably also why Jews can't eat ham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ham's bad. So you know. So uh, is that important? It, it is important to understand. You know, why, why did God do this? You know, there is a judgment, there is a wrath that comes when you f- fall away from the Lord, when you don't serve Him. And so there isn't this. Now, and it says, uh, this is just, uh, we'll, we'll go through some um, things just so you know what we're talking about. It says, in, in Gen- back in Genesis, uh, or I'm sorry, back in, uh, yeah, Genesis 15, he talked about in the fourth generation, I will bring you out, This was said, you know, generations before, but the fourth generation is simply this. Levi, the son of of Jacob, was one of the the first ones in, in the Egypt, and they were saved. Levi's son was Kohath. Kohath's son was Amram. Amram's son was Moses. Four generation. Levi started it. Moses comes out. In the fourth generation, I will call the people out. Um, And so here it was. They just had long generations. Each of those people lived to be about 130 years old. And so when Moses Moses comes as the fourth part of the generation, and he leads his people out, and they were supposed to go directly to Canaan and go in and conquer the land. I'm going to take them, and Moses was going to be with them and all the fighting men, but when they get up to the land, like we just said, they said, no, we're scared. We're scared. You know, God fulfills His promises, and even though it seems like it's a long time, Second Peter 3.9 says He's not slow in fulfilling His promises. They have to come at the right time. There's a right time for God to fulfill the promises that He's spoken into your life, that He's spoken into my life, and we need to be patient and wait until it's His time. Who's ever done something? And afterwards you realize this was not in the timing of God. You might have done the right thing. It was just the wrong time. Often what happens is we, we, we see something. We, f- we really feel it's from God. And so we take matters into our own hands and we accomplish it. And, and it's not right. And so this is the story. Joshua is the story of, of having to wait until the right time. Now, the right time was 40 years earlier. But then they blew it. Now, now here's, here's a, a good little point. So they send in the 12 spies, Caleb and Joshua are two of them. They come back. J, J, Caleb and Joshua both say, we can do this, we can do this. The other one's like, oh, we're scared. Everyone's freaking out. Um, and, and, and actually, even before that, it's important to know that God was leading Moses, and Moses had the plan to go in. And then he says in Deuteronomy, he says, because the book of Deuteronomy, the first three couple chapters is is as Moses recounting to the people what had happened. He says, then all the people came to me and said, hey, we've got an idea. Let's send in some spies to see if the land is good. And Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter three, he says, and that sounded like a good idea to me. So we did it. But God didn't tell him to send in the spies. It was the people. And see, when, when, when God is calling us to do something, we don't take a vote and say, well, let's see how this sounds. And this, let's make, see if this makes sense. Sometimes God doesn't make sense. And so, so they get the people, and that was when they brought back the bad report. So then God says, you guys are not going to go into the land. And all the people say, oh, no, forgive us. We'll go up and attack them. We'll go in now. We'll go in. we'll, We'll do the right thing now. And so they go in and they try to attack them, and they lose the battle. Because God was not with them. We have to go and be obedient in the time of God's obedience. You can't make up afterwards for what God has told you to do. Tell a story of... And Shannon has, Shannon has shared this publicly, and so I, I, I think it's a fine thing. There was years ago because she learned a valuable lesson for it. She was coming out of school um, down in Victorville when she was doing her nursing program thing, and, and she went through a drive-thru to get some food. And we used to always keep tracks in our cars. And she felt really led strongly to give the, the, the cashier, I don't know, Panda Express, whatever it was, a, a track. But you know, and but She was afraid. And she didn't do it. And she just, you know, so she got her food, and then she drove off. She felt really bad, and she goes, I'm so sorry, God. I'll go to Jack in the Box. I'll give him one there. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. And God said, no. No, I told you what to do, and you didn't do it. You go, oh, is God like that? Sometimes, yeah because there was sometimes there's a specific timing and a specific thing that he's calling us to do and to be and we have to be obedient. And then when we don't do it, we don't always get the second chance right away. Sometimes you have to live with the consequences of our choices. Think marriage. That's one of them. Pastor Rob, did you really just say that? You know how many people marry the wrong person and then you're in the wrong relationship and yet God says, no, you're not going to get a divorce and so we live within the consequences of those. Does God redeem it? Yes. Was it His best? No. And we live with our choices. And this is how it works. And so for the, the, the people of Israel, their, cho- their, their consequence was you're still going to get it, but you're going to be stuck here for 40 more years. And then all the old guys, you're going to die and you're never going to see it because my promise isn't really about you getting what you want. It's about the kingdom of God being glorified and you're part of that. And so you're going to sit out and the others are going to go in because my will will be accomplished. You just don't always get the things that you want out of it. Wow, those are tough messages, but it's truth. We don't get to wave the Bible over things and say, God works all things for the good and everything's going to be great. And we know that that's true because how many things have you done and lived through the consequences in your life and went, wow, this wasn't the best. But God is the Redeemer but God brings things out of the ashes. And sometimes there we just look and we see the residual and we go, wow. He says he will work all things for the good for those who are called and called according to his purpose. And he will redeem and he will restore. But sometimes we'll walk with a limp after we wrestle with God. Sometimes we'll stay too long in the land when he wants us to go in earlier Things happen, and our choices and our obedience to God is so important. To just shuffle it off and say, it doesn't really matter what I do. God's just going to redeem it. No. He will redeem it, but you may live with some consequences. I may live with some consequences. Ultimately, you can't mess up the plan of God. He's amazing that way. But we can make choices that are going to make our life more difficult. That makes sense. Do you think I'm preaching the word this morning? I hope I am. hope I'm not just saying, uh, this, is, this, is, this is what I see that, that, that in the word of God. So we see them now. We're, we're almost up. We're at the end of, of Deuteronomy. We're at the beginning of, of uh, Joshua. And this is a different sight than what we saw 40 years before when they were leaving Egypt because all the fighting men, they're dead. Or at least the, all those that came out of Egypt that were old enough to fight, they're dead except Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because of their fear and their initial lack of obedience. Obedience is so important. And also trusting in the Lord. i need to go there. So, so are we ready? Are we ready to go in and conquer the land that God has for us? And that's, this is where the, the, the book of Joshua begins to get personal. Because there's, there's the historic side of this is what happened to the, the children of Israel. They come out of, uh, come out of Egypt. They, walk, they wander through the wilderness. Moses does not get to see the land. That was kind of an interesting thing. There's a point that, that Moses goes back to God and says, God, come on, can, can I please go in? And God basically says, no, and we're not going to talk about this anymore. Sounds like a dad to me. We're, we're not going to talk about this anymore. My decision's final. And so, so that was the last time you see in Scriptures that Moses brought it up to God. But he brought it up again. I mean, after God says, you're not, he waited some time and he says, Please? <laughs> Does God sometimes say no? Absolutely. Wow. See, this is a different gospel than some people have been taught. That if you love God and you're, and you, you, you know, that he's going to give you everything you ask for. No. That doesn't always ha- it doesn't always work like that. He says he's got a plan. And so, so here they are. They're, they're about to go in. Um. And so Joshua is a book about a people who are ready, finally, to enter the promised land. Moses wanted to make sure they were ready. He knew what they needed in order to succeed. So in the book of Deuteronomy, right before, and Deuteronomy is not a book of a long time. He's really just... Talking and writing right before he dies, he recounts the refusal. He goes through the, the whole time where they refused to enter the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, um, the forty years in the wilderness. Talks about how they defeated Sion and Og on the other side. He talked about um, why they, the Israelites didn't get into the land. And in Deuteronomy one twenty one, it says, "Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, possess it. And the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged." Deuteronomy I want to read verse 22 because this was was key here we kind of talked about this but if you're taking notes you can write it down for Deuteronomy 122 and this is when he says and every one of you came near me and said let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us by the way which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come when God has a call on you don't send somebody else When God has something for you to accomplish, don't say, send send Corey. He likes to evangelize and talk to strange people about Jesus. God is calling you. And it's really easy to sometimes go, oh, you know, wow, this person's on my heart. I'm going to call the pastor. If I ever tell you this, please don't be offended. But if you ever hear me say something like, you know, that's really wonderful that God put that on your heart. He didn't put it on mine. <laughs> Pastor, would you say, yeah. I don't want to go in because I, don't, I might not have the anointing. I might not have the, the understanding to go in and see what God has got, wants you to see. I might come back with a bad report because I'm not the one anointed. I'm not the one who's being called to deal with this situation. You are. Be faithful. Be obedient. Whew. It's getting warm in here. But I think it's literally getting warm in here. I don't know. I'm getting I'm uh. So Deuteronomy 120, that's a great you can look at that verse. Wow, it seemed good to us to send people, send some other people for us. Hey, we're going to go down and go, we're going to go door, we're going to be praying over, over the neighborhoods over the next couple of months. Oh man, that sounds great. Let's get the youth to do it. Oh, it's a prayer walk? Let's get the prayer, the prayer chain. They like to pray. They, let's call Bev and Susan and Debbie and all the people on the prayer chain and they can walk or they can drive and we'll just, they can pray for everyone, right? No. As God is calling us, then we go. So Deuteronomy, Moses goes on, he talks about the law and the statute. So the first part of Deuteronomy, is, he's recounting, this is what you did, and this is what happened. Okay, remember, don't forget, it's important to remember the good and the bad. Because we don't want to repeat the same mistakes again. So Moses goes and, and, and talks about how we they messed up and they didn't go in. And then he spends a lot of the chunk of Deuteronomy going over the law, the statutes, and the judgments of God. And he talks about the blessings of following God and the curses of disobedience. There we go again. Why do we have to talk about the curses? Because there's truth in it that when we disobey God we end up in situations that was not God's highest for us. You know, to obey is better than sacrifice. We obey. So at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses says to the people, I'm 120 years old. That would be nice to be able to say to somebody. Wouldn't that be great? And, and, and Joshua actually says that he hadn't lost any of his vigor. He's hundred I'm 120 years old, and the Lord told me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. But he says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid of him. One of the key things we're going to see in verse one and throughout the book of Joshua a number of times is this, this statement. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Moses tells it to Joshua. The Lord tells it to Joshua. The people, the leaders tell it to Joshua. Joshua tells it to the people. We're rallying together saying, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the fear and the discouragement is what caused them to wallow for 40 years in the desert. We're like, we're not going to go there again. Be strong. Be courageous. And it's almost like they say it back. We'll follow you, but you've got to be strong and courageous too. And he calls Joshua specifically, Moses does in, in, in Deuteronomy, he says, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give and you shall cause them to inherit it. What a calling, what an amazing responsibility. And I'll be truthful, as I was reading through Joshua and, and going through this in chapter 1, I, w- I wanted to just teach and preach Joshua 1 for it, 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 you guys and say, we've got to be strong and be courageous. And finally God says, Joshua 1 was to the leader. Oh, so I had to reread it and said, this is for me. And God's saying, Pastor Rob, you need to be strong and courageous. God will be with you as, as, as he's having me lead in whichever ways he's having me lead. And then, then Joshua goes to his leaders and says, you have to be strong. And you have to rally the troops because God has a call for all of us. So there's always personal application in the word of God. Hey, Corey, you want to turn on the fan or turn it up? I, I, I actually am really, really getting a little warm. Matthew might be able to do it. Okay, so after, after the Lord tells Joshua this, he says, and the Lord, this is important, this is not about us going and doing something. He says, and the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. And He will be with you, and He will not leave you nor forsake you. So do not be dismayed. And that's a good word. God calls us to be faithful. God calls us to do whatever it is that He's calling us to do. And He says, but it's not really about you. It's the Lord that's going to go with you. It's the Lord that's going to go before you. He's going to do the work, so don't be dismayed. But if it's the Lord who's going before me and the Lord who's going with me, I want to stay close to the Lord. I don't want to do this on my own. We need to make sure that we're hearing from the voice of the Lord and that we're close to Him because we don't want to go up and attack and get moved back and suffer loss. We want the Lord to go with us. End of Deuteronomy, not much of a pep talk. If you've read it, in chapter 31, he predicts Israel's rebellion. After all this, he's like, you're going to go in, you're going to take the land, but you're going to rebel. And then chapter 32 is a song. I thought maybe Kevin Robert tried to write a song for it, but it's really a long song. The whole chapter 32 is a song, and the song is not a very good one. It's basically like, yeah, it's going to get rough, and you're going to make some bad choices and things. It must have been a country song. He turns around in chapter 33 for a blessing. And He blesses the people of Israel in chapter 35 34. Moses dies, so he doesn't get to go at the end of the promised land. And that brings us basically to Joshua. But I, before we read into Joshua, so we're not going to, we might not even start Joshua then. I'm going to spend a few more minutes here. Chapter 34, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse, starting at verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. That would be really depressing and discouraging. Moses was the rescuer from Egypt. He led them through the land. They, they ate. Of course, they grumbled so much. But the truth was, he, he did it. He led us. And he, he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite of Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim or his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent to him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants in all his land... And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. And Joshua chapter 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So what a setup. I we, you know, we hope we're understanding a little bit more of, of what's happened. There was a reason that they were going to go in. This was to fulfill the promise to Abraham. I'm going to make your descendants it's numerous. and I'm going to bring you to a land, and it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bring you to a land. You're going to possess it, and my people shall become a great nation. And so they had to come into the land of Canaan and take what God knew and had planned for them to take. And though Moses was a great leader and wonderful things happened, we're going we're to leave on this next point. And this is the point that throughout the week we can even be praying and searching. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. The call wasn't dead. The future wasn't dead. The purpose wasn't dead. But something had died for all of the people, and they had to go into the next station of their life, the next thing that God was calling them to, and release. Moses. It wasn't Moses anymore. There was nothing wrong with Moses. Moses wasn't bad, but that part had died. And in order to go in and accomplish what God had for them, they had to understand and release. Moses, your servant is dead. What is it in your life that you need to acknowledge and says, that season of my life is over. That thing in my life is over. Whatever it is, is dead. But God has a plan for me. And in order to accomplish it, I have to recognize this. I can't stay back here. I can't, regret it. I can't think about it anymore. He's got a plan for us to go into the promised land and achieve what he is calling us to do. And in order to do that, you might have to say, my past is dead. Yes, there was great things in it. I am moving on. My past doesn't define me any longer. My past is dead. What is it? What, is God, what would God speak to you today and this week to say, in order to go on and, and receive and to accomplish and to walk into the things that God has for me, you have to realize that part is dead. But I've got something great for you. You can't have both. In order to have, you just can't have both because Moses is dead and here he is in the ground and if you want to keep him, you've got to stay right there with him and watch everyone else go off and accomplish what God has for them. This is the, this is the time I don't have the answer. God has the answer. I'm going through this right now because there's going to be things that he's going to show me and he's going to say, it's time to let go of this. Rob. It's time to let go of that. Not because it's bad necessarily. There's going to be things in your life, maybe they'll be bad, maybe they were wonderful, but it's time to say that part is over. God has something new. My experience isn't what God is going to use to go into the future. God, what do you have? He's got something planned for each and every one of us that he wants to bring us into. I believe he has something for us as a congregation. This is the wonderful thing. I I believe as a congregation he is calling us to go into the land and possess the land that others will come and know him. Thank God we don't have to bring our swords out and go kill the people. We're going to go instead and bring our swords out and go pray for the people and bring them the, the word of life and the gift of life. The only one that's going to die is the The devil's influence in people's lives as a congregation. He's calling us, I believe, to go and possess a land and help people to come to Christ. But what is he calling us personally? What's he calling you to? I believe all of us have something that God's going to stir up. And it might be a few things, and maybe one by one he'll just begin to say, it's time to let that go, it's dead. Now they they mourned for Moses for 30 days. They honored him. It's not not that it's a a bad thing. So spend your time and say, okay, whatever it is, okay, great. It was wonderful. Thank you, God, for that. But the time is going to come where just as he did to Joshua, he says, now, hear the word of the Lord. Moses, the servant, is dead. You will go into the land. Heavenly Father, I'm looking into this congregation of, Saints of God, called by your name, washed in the blood. I'm looking at your vision and purpose throughout this room. God, what is it that you're calling us to this morning? I believe every one of us in this room has a purpose that you would lay out individually as well as as a congregation. Father, we need to hear from you, though. What is it that we might have to walk away from and acknowledge that this is a new season, it's a new day, the way I looked at things, whatever it might be, God, show us individually. God, call us to, to seek your face daily and throughout the week and often throughout the day, being open to hear your voice that you might say, it's time to let this go. And step into what I have for you. God, I believe the cry of so many people's heart is I don't want to wander for another 40 years. I want to go into my promised land and the thing that you would have for me to walk in. Lord, I believe there's there's people in here who would say I don't even have another 40 years. God, don't delay, don't don't let it be my lack of obedience, don't let it be my fault for not walking into what you have for me. Where you go, go, lead me. God, I'm thinking of the scripture in Jeremiah, and I would claim that for us today, for I know The plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and I will hear you. God, your plans for us are good. Help us to know your voice. Help us to know the things you call us to that we might be obedient as well. And step into what you have. So God, help us to be strong, of good courage, very courageous. Help us not to be terrified. Help us not to be dismayed. We know that you'll be with us wherever we go. We thank you for what you want to do in our lives. Say, let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Encourage one another. Tell people, don't be afraid. You might even have to walk through something because maybe somebody's going to be afraid of what they have to go through. Go through it with them. Amen. Blessed.